next Sunday is a very big day for this congregation. Brother Adair pointed out that our gospel meeting was getting very close. That's almost an understatement because very close means seven days. If you're like me, sometimes you can keep saying, oh, April 22nd, April 22nd. And April 22nd, it seems so far off, you continue to believe that you've still got several weeks. But April 22nd is just seven days after April 15th. And guess what today is? April 15th. So next week, our gospel meeting with Andrew Roberts begins. It's entitled Exploring Islam and Christianity. You can take a look at the topics. It's going to take a look at Christ Church and what's going on there. But it's also going to take a look at comparing Christianity with Islam, uh, Jehovah with Allah, Muhammad with Jesus, the Quran with the Bible. It's going to be an exciting couple of days as we gather together to learn more about Christianity and Islam and how those religions compare. And let me just tell you, Andrew, uh, though a young man, has done quite a bit of research and study. I think he's very qualified to lead us in this series. In fact, having even written a book, uh, on uh, Islam versus Christianity, entitled Night and Day. So here's somebody that's very prepared, very well versed in his subject, and I think he's going to do a great job. However, as much as I want to tell you how excited I am, as much as I want to tell you about why you ought to be here, there are actually some reasons why you should not attend the Gospel meeting. And I want to share those with you. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we pray that you would be with us and strengthen us, help us to be your servants. Help us to glorify you. Help us to love you. Help us to lift you up and praise your name. You are worthy of adoration. You are worthy of honor and blessing. You have created this world. You have given us life. You've given us health. You've fed us every day. You've given us clothing to wear. You've provided us with homes that protect us from the elements. As we gather here to worship you, you've provided us with this facility that we might worship you in protection from the elements. And we're amazed at all that you've done for us. You are indeed worthy of our worship and our praise and adoration. And we offer it to you as best we can. And we pray that you would strengthen us, that we might grow in our ability to praise and glorify you. Father, we pray that your hand of mercy and blessing and grace will be upon the gospel meeting that we're about to have. We pray that you would be with Andrew. Strengthen him with wisdom, that he might say the things that need to be said to help us understand your truth. Strengthen him with health so that he might be here without hindrance to preach your gospel. Father, we pray that you be with each of us, that we will make it our commitment to be here. And we pray that you would be with us, that we might let others know about what's going on, that they might come and learn about your true gospel and how it outshines anything else that's going on in the world today. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. Through your Son, we lift up this prayer. Amen. I know it is shocking, and I know that some of you have probably already marked it off on your calendars, but I do want to share with you some reasons why you should not attend our gospel meeting. The very first reason why you should not attend our gospel meeting, you should not attend our gospel meeting just because you have to. Almost 12 years of preaching the gospel and working with congregations, I've had the argument over and over and over again. We all know what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 very clearly and very plainly says, "...not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." Or in the translations that we're more familiar with, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We know what that passage says. It says that when the congregation assembles, we're supposed to be there. And for 12 years, there have been brethren that I have argued with and discussed with about whether or not they really had to be at all the assemblies of the congregation. And we'll talk about the, the morning assembly and the evening assembly. And we'll talk about assemblies of gospel meetings. And we'll talk about even classes, which are not the assembly. And yet it's something the elders have established that help us grow. And we'll argue back and forth exactly how many of those assemblies do I really have to come to in order to get into heaven. And just frankly, brethren, I'm tired of having that argument. And I'll tell you why. Because that is a no-win argument. No matter what comes out of it, the congregation loses. Allow me to explain. Number one, what if I lose the argument? If I'm arguing with you and I tell you you've got to be here, Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembly. We're assembling on Sunday night. If you miss it for no good reason, you're forsaking. Uh, We were having a gospel meeting. If you miss it for no good reason, you're forsaking. What happens if I lose that argument? And folks start saying, well, I don't have to be at those assemblies. Well, guess what? They quit coming. Every congregation where folks have said, you don't have to come to the assemblies, guess what happens? They quit coming. That's just the way it is. Look at the denominations. A long time ago, denominations started saying, you don't really have to be here. I have an aunt that at one time, she was a part of a denominational congregation that had something like 2,000 members. On Sunday morning, their attendance would be somewhere around 2,000. On Sunday morning, or Sunday night, it would be somewhere around 200. And on Wednesday night, if they weren't having their potluck supper beforehand, they had 15. Why? Because they started teaching. Ah, Hebrews 10.25, that doesn't matter. So we, the congregation loses if I lose that argument. But on the other hand, what happens if I win that argument? What happens if I convince you, look, you better be here, and you say, all right, I have to come, I guess I'll be there. Well, I'm not sure the congregation wins in that situation either because then we just have a class of Christians that are only doing what they have been absolutely and utterly convinced is the absolute minimum requirement and we don't get to heaven that way. That's not what it means to serve God. To finally decide, here's my minimum requirement, you can't make me do any more, but you convince me I have to do that and so I'll do it. Guys, that's just not serving the Lord no matter what we think. And so if we're coming to all the assemblies, but it's only because we have to, Well, it's not really helping us. So please, don't come to the gospel meeting just because you have to. Secondly, please don't come to the gospel meeting because you think someone's going to get on to you if you don't. We remember Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. We often overlook that one as we're in in a hurry to get to verse 25. But Hebrews 10 and verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And we understand that that's part of the reason we're having this gospel meeting, to help stir us up to love and good works. And we recognize that our responsibility as Christians and members of the congregation is to stir one another up to love and good works. We've got a lot of people excited about this gospel meeting. There's probably going to be some folks calling folks beforehand, encouraging them to come on, to stir them up to love and good works. And when the gospel meeting is over, there's going to be folks who look around and say, well, brother so-and-so wasn't here, and sister so-and-so wasn't here. And so they're probably going to call them and say, hey, I'm just a little worried about you. Why didn't you come? And so there are going to be some people that want to attend just to avoid that. Well, you know, the elders are going to get on me if I don't make it. But, you know, that's not really about serving the Lord. That's all about me. That's just trying to have my convenience. And that's not what this is all about. And so I hope that you won't come just because someone's going to get on to you if you don't. Number three, please don't come just because you like Andrew's preaching. Andrew Roberts preached in our fall focus last year as we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. And, and frankly, brother, I just thought he did an outstanding job. 
I like Andrew's preaching. I'd love to hear Andrew preach again. I've heard other preachers that I was not nearly so impressed with. I've heard some preachers that, frankly, just wore me out. They just tired me out. By the time we were done, I was stressed. And, uh, you know, I don't prefer to hear those preachers. Fortunately, we don't have to deal with that with Andrew, at least not in my opinion. But we've got to understand something. We're not having a gospel meeting so that we can hear Andrew Roberts preach. That's not what it's about. Preacher following has been a problem since the very beginning. Paul dealt with it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And notice what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 4, he says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The fact is, in this whole big scheme of things and everything that we're doing with this gospel meeting, Andrew's not anything. He's just the tool that God is using to plant and water the seed. But God's the one that's going to cause the growth. So let me encourage you, please don't come to our gospel meeting just because you really, really like Andrew's preaching. Fourthly, please don't come because the topics sound interesting to you. Don't, Don't come just because the topics sound interesting to you. Now, do the topics sound interesting? I have to tell you, I'm very excited about the topics. They're very interesting to me. I'm very concerned about what's going on in our world regarding the religion of Islam. And I think we as Christians need to know more and more about it so that we can stand for the truth, so we can get out and teach folks who have been swayed by the errors of Islam. So I am extremely interested, but I want to encourage you, please don't come just because you're interested in the topics. And the reason why I want to encourage that is because if that's the only reason you're coming, what happens when we have a topic that doesn't interest you? You don't come. And who is that about? I mean, I've known people that, well, unless the class is just really going to help me, unless it's something I'm really excited about, I'm not going to come to class. Unless, you know, we're going to announce the sermon at the the end of today. I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to say, y'all need to come back tonight, and here's why. I'm going to have a lesson entitled, How Does Your Garden Grow? And it's not really about the one in your backyard. And you need to be here to learn about that. And some folks are going to say, that sounds like the lamest sermon I have ever heard. I've got plenty of other things to do tonight. I'm not going to be back. Who is that about? That's all about me, isn't it? But that's not what our worship is supposed to be about. And don't be deceived. When we gather here as a congregation, we're gathering to worship. It's not supposed to be about me and what, just what I get out of it. And if I think it's interesting, look in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 talks about the nature of worship, and this is talking about whether individual or congregational, but it applies to our congregational assemblies as well. He says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What is worship described as there? Sacrifice. I just want you to picture back. See, Paul is relying on the picture that the Jews had of taking a lamb up to the altar and splitting its throat and letting its blood fall out on the ground and then burning it. Do you think the lamb was very interested in that topic? You see, but that's what we are. We're the lamb. And worshiping God is not about what interests me. 
Worshiping God is about sacrificing myself because that interests God. So please don't come just because the topics sound interesting to you. And finally, please don't come just because you don't have anything better to do. We all talk about the good old days when we had gospel meetings and everybody in the community would come out. And the reason everybody in the community would come out is because we didn't have television. There, wasn't, uh, there weren't all the clubs and the, and the organizations and there wasn't youth soccer and there wasn't youth baseball and Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. And so the gospel meeting and, and revivals and other churches, those were like community events and everybody just came out. Why? Because they didn't have anything better to do. And no doubt during those days, gospel meetings were very effective. But the problem is, is that I think Satan figured out what was going on. And so he had us invent television. And he had us come up with clubs. And he had us come up with youth sports. And so now, we all got so much better to do. And we sit back, and then we go back to number one, arguing about, well, do I have to? Because my kids have a soccer game that night. I have something that's better to do. See, here's the thing that we need to understand. If we're coming only because I don't have anything better to do, guess what Satan's going to find for us? Something better to do. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's going to find things for us to do that, that we think are better, if that's why we're coming, just because I don't have anything better to do. You know, it's amazing how many things we do because there's nothing better than that. You know, there are some things that we do. We don't let anything get in the way. Sometimes there are things that we're going to do and we won't let anything get in the way, even the assembly of the saints. Well, we don't want that to get in the way. So please, don't come just because you don't have anything better to do. So here's some reasons why you shouldn't come. Don't come because you have to. Don't come because you think somebody's going to get on to you. Don't come because you really like Andrew's preaching. Don't come because the topics sound interesting. Don't come because you don't have anything better to do. Let me share with you the reasons why you need to come to the gospel meeting. You should come to the gospel meeting because God deserves it. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. The 24 elders have fallen down around the throne. They cast their crowns before the throne. And in Revelation 4 and verse 11, they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed, and they were created. Psalm 18 and verse 3. In Psalm number 18... And verse 3, the psalmist says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Our God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our submission. And when we gather together as Christians to worship God, to sing praises to Him, to pray to Him, to study His Word, we are offering what He is worthy of. And if we're just missing that willy-nilly, what are we saying about God's worth? Yeah, God, you're worth me coming together on Sunday morning with them, but don't expect me to do it much more than that. Come on. How worthy do you really think you are, God? I've got other things. I've got my own way to do it. God is worthy of us coming together. And here are opportunities 
for you to come and demonstrate how worthy our God is by gathering with the saints and worshiping Him. The second reason you should come is because Jesus died to give you this opportunity. Jesus died to give you the opportunity to gather with the saints and worship Him. I think one of the reasons why we get into this argument about how often do I have to come and is there other, or are there other things that are better than this, I think the reason that that happens is because, well, we assemble all the time. And that happens every Sunday, so twice on Sunday here. And then we have these gospel meetings once or twice a year, VBS. We've got all these things that just happens over and over and over again. And you know, there's only one Little League championship that my kid ever gets to go to. But we get to go to assembly all the time. And so because we get to go to that all the time, sometimes I think we forget exactly what it is we're doing when we gather to worship with the saints. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible there says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. The church is the house of God. Now, we're not talking about this building here. We're talking about the people. This is a gathering of the household of God. That's very reminiscent of 1 Kings chapter 8. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, there we're talking about the temple, it says, when the priest came out of the holy place, a crowd filled the house of the Lord. So the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. There was talking about the temple. You see, we are a temple of the Lord. That means we are a dwelling place of the Lord. The people, not the building. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21. As he talks about us. Actually, let's go ahead and back up. Verse 19. So, this is Ephesians 2 and 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I recognize a lot of these passages are talking about the universal church, but we understand that local congregations are supposed to be a picture of that universal church in microcosm. This is what we are. We are a dwelling place for God. We are a temple. And we learn in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is what we are. We are the house of God, a royal priesthood coming together to proclaim the excellencies of God's name, coming into the temple, coming into the holy place, coming into the very presence of God. What an amazing thing that is. But why are we allowed to do that? Why do we remotely think that we are allowed to come into the presence of God and say anything about Him or anything to Him? Look in Hebrews 10. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, the Scripture there says, Therefore, brothers, 
since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why are we able to come into the holy places? Because Jesus died. Did you realize that? Why is it that we get to do what we're doing this morning? Jesus died so we could do this. Does that express to us how important it is? Did Jesus die so we could argue about whether or not we have to do this? Jesus, how do we get to do this? And we kind of act like it's an entitlement that we can choose to do sometimes or not do. Eh. We need to be there. Because Jesus died so we could be there. You should attend the gospel meeting because you need it. We attend the gospel meeting because God deserves it, but we need to understand there's a difference between God deserving it and God needing it. We don't gather together because God somehow needs us to gather together. In fact, look all the way back in Psalm 50. We don't want to make the same mistake that the Israelites had made. In Psalm 50 and verse 10, God said to the Israelites, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? You see, what he was pointing out is that when the Israelites offered their sacrifices, it wasn't because God needed food. It was because they needed to offer the sacrifice. And the same is true for us. We gather together to assemble not because God needs us to come together, not because it's, it's, it's not like we provide something for His self-esteem that allows Him to continue on well-balanced. That's not it at all. We come together because we need it. We need the perspective that worship offers regarding our lives. We need the edification and the encouragement that comes from being together with other people that worship and honor God as we do. That's what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 talks about. When it talks about not forsaking our assembling. Why? Because that is an encouragement to us. That pumps us up and moves us along. And at times we become self-deceived thinking that we don't need that. But we do. And here we have two more opportunities to come in with our brethren and hear them sing songs of praise and hear the prayers and hear the lessons that are going to build us up. And we need that. Don't be deceived. You need that. That's why God established local congregations. Because He knew we needed that. 
He didn't establish local congregations just so we'd have a place to take the Lord's Supper on Sunday morning. He established congregations because we need to be there with other folks who are serving the Lord as often as we can. But in addition to that, you need to be there because your brethren need you. For all the encouragement and all the edification and all the building up that you're going to receive by gathering together with the saints in our gospel meeting, you are also going to be an encouragement to others. You are also going to be one who stimulates to love and good deeds, just as Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 talks about. I don't know about you, but when I come up here, and maybe this impacts me more because I get to stand up here and I get to look out and see everybody. But when folks are missing, I'm not as encouraged. In fact, sometimes it's just downright discouraging. And there are times when folks are missing that I wonder, why on earth should I bother? Why should I try? But you see, when we're there, when you're there, you're telling all your brethren it is worth it. You can continue on. Tomorrow when you're at work, and you feel all alone, remember that there are others who serve God just like you do. And see, that's what it helps me. And think about this. When I go to work, I get to come in here, uh, in that room back there, and I don't have all the evil influences that most of you folks, when you're working, have to deal with. And just think about it. If it helps me as much as it does, imagine what it does for your brethren who are out there every day among the evil influences of the world to remember that there are... Let's see, we've got 136 people here this morning. There are 136 other people out there that are wanting to serve the Lord just like me. They may not be here in my office, but they're there, and we're all fighting the same battles, and we're all going to get there because we're working with one another. And here's some opportunities for you to gather together with your brethren and let them know and encourage them and strengthen them so that they can continue to put one foot in front of the other in their journey with the Lord. But there's another aspect of this if we look in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 15, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body itself grows as every individual member of the body grows. And so when you come and you grow, every opportunity that we have to grow by coming together, then you help the body itself grow. Your brethren need you, so please come. And finally, you need to come because you don't have anything better to do. Did you catch that? You don't have anything better to do. What really do you have to do that is better than gathering together with God's people to worship and praise and honor Him and learn more about how to serve and honor and glorify Him? What really is there that is better than that? This is going to bear fruit for eternity. Your soccer game is going to be forgotten in a couple of weeks. What do you have really that's better to do? 
I understand that there are some folks who have work obligations, and of course working is, is fulfilling another commandment of the Lord, as Paul pointed out to Timothy, if you don't support your family, you're worse than an infidel, and I understand that, and you have to make your decisions about that. I'm not going to draw the lines for you there. You have to decide how close you're drawing to God when you make that choice. But I just really want you to think, what, what do you really have to do that's better than that? You're going to be edified. It reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha. As Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and Martha went around doing the things that she thought were better to do. What, what is it? I hope you'll come. So please, make sure you come to serve the Lord. Not to serve me. Not to please our elders. Not because you like Andrew. Not because you're just really interested in Islam. And not because you just, ah, I just don't have anything better to do. You need to come because God deserves it. Jesus died to give you this opportunity. You need it. And your brethren need you, and you really don't have anything better to do.